When I was a boy, fervently looking forward to Christmas, waiting for it to come, our family did Christmas in a big way. There were five of us children, you know, and and it's the only time I probably ever got up before six in my life, you know, but we couldn't sleep on Christmas Eve and come down. My parents were big into technology early in their lives. They had a camera, a movie camera with the big lights, the ones that, you know, throw out like 10,000 watts so it heats up the whole room. And those would be set up before we even got out uh, for Christmases. Lasted maybe two years, you know, and then everybody said, oh, camera, you know. Not too much trouble to set up. But we would have our family Christmases on Christmas morning. Christmas afternoon was reserved for my grandparents' Johnson's house. We would go over there for the Christmas dinner. And after Christmas dinner, we would have gift opening. But before gift opening, after dinner, before gift opening, my grandmother, who was a uh, Presbyterian pastor's daughter, would read Luke 2. And with all the presents underneath the uh, tree, Luke 2 seemed to take like forever. Okay? Now, we just read it. Okay? It's not that long. I was just reading something from uh, somebody on a website this week who said, we read the Christmas story after the opening of presents because the kids seem to be able to sit still a little bit longer. And that seems like a wise thing to me that we would do that. But it, it would seem like it would take forever. And, and I would re- imagine this night so very, very long ago, okay, when Jesus was born. And, and I think about the length of our biblical times, okay? Jesus was born, yeah, about 2,000 years ago, a little bit longer than that. Moses started writing Genesis, they say about 1400 BC, so that's 3400 years ago. Uh, People have been waiting for Jesus to return since he ascended into heaven. I've mentioned before that there are accounts in the year 1000 of the people in medieval times saying, "Is, is Jesus coming back this year? You know, it's 1000 years this year. Is he coming back? And it's such a modern way to think about things. But I want, I'm going to give you a a little shocker here. You all know that my mother-in-law turned 101. Okay? I'm using her only as an example and only because it makes the math easy. She has celebrated... 5% of all the Christmases since Jesus was born. Okay? You know, it says that, the Bible says that, you know, a thousand days, uh, a thousand years in God's sight is like a year, and a year is like a thousand years. My mother-in-law has celebrated 5% of all the Christmases ever. I did carry the math out this far. I've done over 4%. Now that's astounding to me. Christmas, 2,000 years ago, my mother-in-law is 101 years. That means 20 of her lifetimes ago was how shortly 
Jesus was born. Now, if you say that a, uh, a generation is 25 years, that's 80 generations. Uh, if you want to go back to Moses, it's 144 generations. Back to Moses. It's all it is. You know, we think of it as being so very, very far away. And yet it is truly a blink of an eye. If I can say that I've been alive for 4% of the Christmases that were ever celebrated, my goodness, the history is a very short, short time. And this is not the point of my message today. The point of my message is, is that since the fall of man, well, since before the fall of man, but I'll go with the fall of man, God has planned for the redemption of man. It wasn't a whim. Jesus, will you go back at Christmas in the year zero? Or as Aaron says, there's no year zero. It's 1 BC and it's 1 AD. Okay? So there's no year zero. But I'm going to call it year zero anyway. God didn't plan it that way. God knew everything that was going to happen from the very beginning. And he was planning the redemption of the world from the very beginning of time. I did something similar to this 12 years or so ago, calling it an Old Testament Christmas. We've read the Christmas story from Luke. We're not going to even touch on the New Testament. These are just the prophecies from the beginning of the biblical era. And remember, if my mother-in-law has been alive, I've been alive for over 2% of the biblical era. Over 2%. I'm astounded, okay? That is just hard to believe. But that is what a blink of an eye this all is. The Lord God said to the serpent, Genesis 3, 14, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field, and on your belly you shall go, and dust shall you eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Jesus from the very beginning was chosen to put an end to Satan. To put an end to the curse. Over to Genesis 4. And I love this one. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife. And she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And many will tell you that this actually says, I have gotten the man. We're not positive which reading is correct. If she, in her innocence, thought that the man that was now coming into the world was going to be her savior, but Savior she was looking forward to. I recently preached a sermon on how the Old Testament saints were saved and showed you how many of them were looking. Job says, uh, I know that my Redeemer lives and I will, and one day he will walk on this earth looking towards the Redeemers. And it happened with so many of the Old Testament saints that they were physically waiting for Jesus to arrive. And I will not say that Eve did not say that I have gotten the man because, like I say, 
as we have seen in our study in Genesis, the translations are hard to understand. Genesis 22, and and the angel of the Lord, Genesis 22, starting in 55, and the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, by myself I have sworn, declares the Lord. Did you notice that? By myself I have sworn. You know, we're told not to swear (laughs) by God, right? But the Lord can. And he says, I have By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, which was Isaac, your only son, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Because you have obeyed my voice. That is where the Messiah will come from. Earlier, when Isaac's birth was promised, and this is just a little aside, and God said to Abram, as for Sarah your wife, you shall not call her Sarah, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to me in my old age? And Sarah, when she was given the message, uh, Genesis 18, verse 9, they said to him, Where is Sarah your wife? And he said, She is in the tent. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself. So now we have Abraham and Sarah both laughing, saying, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh. Okay, and I love that. I I didn't laugh. For she was afraid, and he said, No. But you did laugh. And I just love the humanity of God shining through in his dealing with people. And saying humanity of God, I know, is a contradiction in terms. But no, you did laugh. There was no penalty for the laughter. But there was still, that was just a little aside into Sarah and Abraham, just because it tickles me. Micah 5. This was written about 700 B.C. Those Genesis passages were roughly 1400 BC but this Micah 5 passage is from around 700 but you O Bethlehem Ephrathah who are too little to be among the clans of Judah from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel whose coming forth is from old from ancient days 
700 years before, the town was picked out and whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. And I've just spoken of the ancient days to us that are really just a passing, fleeting time. Isaiah, which is probably my favorite book in the Bible, uh, just because there is so much there about Jesus. It's also from about 700 B.C. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, Ask a sign of the Lord your God, and let it be deep as shale or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to worry men that you have to worry my God also? You know, it's not enough that you bother men, you bother God. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And people say that, you know, these things in Jesus' life are impossible. That the virgin cannot conceive. And yet, even in Jesus' time, it was known among the population, among the Romans, that it was said that Jesus was born of a virgin. And they mocked it and gave him a Roman soldier name as a last name. But it was known at the time. And I will bet you that not everyone mocked. But it was a known fact of, of Jesus at the time that he lived. In Isaiah 59, we have a prophecy about who the, who the Messiah will be and what he will do. Justice is turned back and righteousness stands far away. For truth has stumbled in the public squares and uprightness cannot enter. Truth is lacking And he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. Is that not our times that righteousness stands far away, justice is turned back? The Lord saw it and it displeased him because the Lord is a Lord of justice. The Lord saw it and it displeased him that there was no justice. He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no one to intercede. Then his own arm brought him salvation and his righteousness upheld him. He put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. According to their deeds, so will he repay. According to their deeds, so will he repay wrath to his adversaries, repayment to his enemies. To the coastlands he will render payment. So they shall fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. For he will come like a rushing stream, which the wind of the Lord drives. And a redeemer will come to Zion, to those in Jacob who turn from transgression. What the Lord desires for mankind is that he be. What does the Lord require of you, O man, but to do justice? to seek kindness and to walk humbly with your God? And who did he send to demonstrate that? Isaiah 28, starting at verse 14, Therefore 
Hear the word of the Lord, you scoffers who rule this people in Jerusalem, because you have said, we have made a covenant with death, and with Sheol we have an agreement, a covenant with death. And that is what the high places was about, the pagans that were to be driven out of Canaan. They had made a covenant with death. They were not for life. Choose life and live. We, did, we covered that recently. Does not our culture nowadays, today, have a covenant with death? They say that Islam will be Islam until they love life more than death or something along that line. And that there will be no peace until they love life more than they love death. They have a covenant with death. Therefore, hear the Lord, word of the Lord, you scoffers, who rule this people in Jerusalem, because you have said, we have made a covenant with death, and with shale we have an agreement. When the overwhelming whip passes through, it will not come to us, for we have made lies our refuge, and in falsehood we have taken shelter. Therefore, the Lord God, behold, I am the one who has laid as a foundation in Zion a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone of a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not be in haste, and I will make justice the line and righteousness the plumb line, and hail will sweep away the refuge of lies. And I happen to be a carpenter. And I know what the line is. And I know what the plumb line means. And it's the way you judge what is straight and what is true. The same as with the cornerstone. And he says, Hail will sweep away the refuge of lies and waters will overwhelm the shelter. Then your covenant with death will be annulled. And your agreement with shale will not stand. When the overwhelming scourge passes through you will be beaten down by it. I really like Isaiah. Isaiah 11. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, David's father, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see, or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor." And decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. And with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist. And faithfulness the belt of his loins. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb. And the leopard shall lie down with the young goat. And the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together. And a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra. And the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord. As the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse, 
who shall stand as a signal for the peoples. Of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. Isaiah 40, in just a couple of places. Behold, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather lands in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. And I've told you that I always appreciate man being seen as sheep and Jesus as a shepherd. Because as my daughter will tell you, the sheep are incredibly stupid and have to have a shepherd or they will fall astray. I just recently saw a picture, some meme, a boy gets a big fat sheep out of this ditch that it was in. Could not get out by itself. Puts it on the land. And the sheep goes boink, boink and falls back in. Okay? This is sheep and this is man falling into that trench and having to be pulled out by God, by Jesus the shepherd, time after time. Later on in Isaiah 40, do you not know? Did Do you not hear? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? From the very Garden of Eden itself. Have Do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundation of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain, and spreads them like a tent to dwell in, who brings princes to nothing, and makes the rulers of the earth an emptiness. And I know I put some of the emphasis on the wrong syllables there, but you get the drift. Isaiah 42. Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands wait for his law. A reed he will not break. What is humanity, all of man, if we are not bruised reeds that can be broken easily? It's like raising a child trying to discipline without breaking. It is what we're called to do as parents, but it's what Jesus has done perfectly in not breaking the bruised reed. Isaiah 49 says, And now the Lord says, He who formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him, and that's what Jesus' job was, was to be God's servant and bring Jacob back to him, and that Israel might be gathered to him, for I'm honored in the eyes of the Lord, and my God has become my strength. He says, It is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations 
that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel and His Holy One, to one deeply despised, abhorred by the nation, the servant of rulers, kings shall see and arise, princes and they shall prostrate themselves because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel, who has chosen you. Neil's read Isaiah 9 earlier. For us to a, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and on the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. There are many other scriptures of that on the prophecies of Jesus coming. But Christmas doesn't end there. Christmas was just the beginning because there were so many other prophecies about Jesus. Malachi 440 BC says, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver. And they will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord. Isaiah 40 says, A voice cries in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord and make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up. Every mountain and hill be made low. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Zechariah from 520 B.C. moves Jesus' life further along. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteousness and having salvation is he. Humble, mounted on a donkey. On a colt, the foal of a donkey. And it keeps getting closer to what Christmas is all about. Psalm 22 says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And you'll remember this as Jesus quoting this on the cross. Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I find no rest, yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel, and you are fathers trusted. They trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. 
Yet you are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust you at my mother's breasts. On you I was cast from my birth, and from my mother's womb you have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there is none to help. And I'm going to close with one last from Isaiah. And this is what Christmas is about. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant. And like a root out of dry ground, he had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their face, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. And he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people, and they made his grave with the wicked, and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death, and was numbered with the transgressor. Yet he bore the sin of many, and makes intercession for the transgressors. That's an Old Testament Christmas. That's not just an Old Testament Christmas. That's the Old Testament gospel. Not a word from the New Testament. Many of those words are in the New Testament. But not a word from the New Testament. That is what God planned from the beginning of time. That is what was spoken of by Moses as he's writing Genesis. 2% of my lifetime in the faith. Christmas wasn't about a little baby and the Magi bringing gifts. It was that whole story that was, that was prophesied from Genesis to Micah to Malachi, beginning to end of the Old Testament. There, there were perhaps, because I looked them up and I just picked some of these, there were something like 500 Messianic prophecies to choose from.
This was just a small selection. But this is the Christmas story. And it's the Christmas story from the Old Testament. Let's close in prayer. Lord, on this day that we celebrate your coming into this world to save us, to die for us, to make us right with God. We thank you for your word from the Old Testament, from the Tanakh. We thank you also for the enlightenment that the New Testament brings to these events, to the life lived by Jesus, to the testimony of the apostles, to the testimony of all the great men on whose shoulders we stand as we live our lives in this Christian faith. Keep us strong. Keep us looking back to the cross and for all that you did in our lives. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.